Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. This is the podcast where I take on topical issues, things that are important to all of us, things that we need to grow in and mature in, and I put them in an audio format so that you can listen, and I have show notes with all of my Life Over Coffee podcast. The show notes are where I have additional information. In fact, in this podcast. This is episode number 129. 129. I have an infographic that I just built out today. This is a fresh one. Old idea. New infographic that is in the show notes and you can get it. I also have a couple of links including a free digital book that you can get and I would encourage you to get it. I appeal to you to get it. What I want to talk about in the podcast is why close relationships become hard relationships. And that is the title of the podcast, episode 129 on our website. Go to the Life Over Coffee section. All 129 podcasts are there. That's a lot of hours of listening, a lot of hours of help. And you can get this podcast, episode 129. I just had a meeting with a couple of friends. We meet occasionally and talk shop. We talk Christianity. We talk relationships. We talk about how to change. I enjoy these meetings. And it, and today or this morning's session with them was stimulating. And it was so stimulating. I thought, well, I will just share with you the ideas that we talked about in the meeting today because they are like me. I am like them. You are like us. We all have close relationships, and the closer these relationships become, the harder they become. By the way, if you want to talk about this, please go to our website. We, I, us, we would love to talk to you. We have community forums for anybody in the world who has access to the internet. Just jump on the internet, create your username and password, and you can ask any question. You can talk about this, why close relationships become hard relationships. Or you can talk about anything else that you want to, whatever question you may have. If you are a supporting member of our site, may God bless you and may your kind increase. Thank you for supporting us. We have a private forum for you where you can talk, and I would encourage you to jump on it. So the main idea in this podcast is all relationships run risk of disappointing you, and you know that to be true. You have been disappointed in your relationships, and by the way, you have been a disappointing person in many of your relationships, you do want to take the log in your eye and address it first. And I know that all of you have done that. When you think about disappointing relationships, your mind first goes to you rather than that annoying, the other annoying person in the room. And so as you address the log in your eye, you know that you have been disappointing to other people. The truth is, the closer you get to a person, the more you will know about them. And the more you know about them, well, it's a setup for disappointment. But here's the good news. The Bible has a solution for this problem. And that's what I want to talk about. So that our relationships can go beyond superficial 
But they also, as you go beyond superficial, here's the hard part. When you pass through the barrier of superficiality, you begin to learn the hard truth about another person. And some of that truth is fallen truth. We're totally depraved. And even those of us who name the name of Christ, follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are not perfect yet. And it is the imperfections of other people. It is our imperfections that cause us the most trouble. I would encourage you to get on episode 129, look at this graphic. I want you to use this graphic. I want you to take it to your Sunday school class, to your life application class, to your small group context, to a group of three friends, two friends, and you you talk about this and let it be instructive, let it be redemptive. All relationships run the risk of disappointing you. And it does not matter how those folks know each other and how they interact with each other. Here are some potential disappointing relationships. A husband and wife. Parents and children. Siblings. Children interacting with each other. I have three of those. Church friends. Workmates. Friends of any kind, any stripe. It doesn't matter what two people they are. It doesn't matter what context they are in. Their mutual fallenness, or let me be more specific, our mutual fallenness leads to this universal fact. The closer you get to a person, the more you'll be disappointed by the individual And it's one of the reasons that we pursue safer relational constructs. Let me give you three safe relational constructs. One is dating. I say this in jest often that it would be far better for two people to date forever than to get married. Now, I say that in jest. I love marriage, and if God has called you to marriage, then by all means be married But you know a dating relationship is much safer. You just met the individual, and then you grow together, but you're not living together. As I say, at the end of the evening, you can let her out. That's what I did with Lucia for three years. We dated for three years. At the end of each evening, after we were together, I would let her out. She would go to her parents' home, and I would go to my place, We had a break. Every day we got to reboot. We got to start over again where I messed up, where she messed up is when we got married. We brought each other home. We started living together as husband and wife. And oh my word, the things that we did not see, we were now able to see. And there were more things coming. The mystery was being unraveled. The silence was was speaking out loud now. We were seeing each other in reality, in a 24-7 reality that we didn't have as a dating relationship. Those of you who are dating, those of you who want to date, be warned. I call dating that artificial season when two people come together to fake each other out. I say that in jest. Don't send me emails, please.
But no matter how much you want to know the other person in a dating relationship, you can't know them in their totality. It's only when you are in 24-7 proximity, when you live in that house together and you can't get away until death separates you. Dating can be a safe context. It can also be delusional. It can give you an, an artificial understanding of relationships. And so you want to be wise as you're dating. You know that there's more fallenness behind the curtain, and you really won't see it all until the curtain is opened, and that happens when you get married. Now, I'm pro-marriage. Please, I am pro-marriage. Another safe context, and probably more dangerous for all of us, is cyber relationships. I see that regularly, well, daily, with our ministry. I see it on Facebook all the time. Cyber relationships are potentially dangerous relationships. I see it with our cyber community. They feel safer with people that they really don't know. They only know them in cyberspace. I see it with my mastermind community as they're growing in their love and their affection for each other. I am well aware that at the end of the day, they don't know each other because they don't live together. There is an element of artificiality, and if you're not walking in wisdom, you can, you can begin to think those relationships are something that they are not and they can never be because you're not living together. I see it among our staff. Our staff is in cyberspace. None of us live really close enough to each other to where we can interact with each other according to who we are really are. And so it becomes an illusion, and we, we can begin to think that we are something that we are not or even that we are better than those that we live with, and, and it is dangerous. Facebook is, well, it's the world's largest community, and I hate to even say it's community because in the truest sense of koinonia, it is not. But some people had rather build in cyberspace, whether it's Facebook or other cyber communities, but it doesn't give you the fullest picture. But the, the risk in those relationships is minimal because you can't know each other. You can, al you can always just keep your best foot forward. The third safe relationship, and it's really a combination of everything that I'm saying, is any relationship that is at a distance. Dating relationship, not, and when I say safe relationships, I'm putting that in quotation marks. Dating relationships, any kind of cyber relationships, and any other relationship or all of the above where there is distance involved, the closer you get to someone, the more you're going to find out about them, which is why we're all tempted to present our representative to other people. I talked a lot about this in Oregon. I did a conference there a week or so ago, and I had several meeting opportunities, not just at the conference, but also in a Christian school where two schools came together, Hosanna and Triad. If any of you folks are listening in Oregon and at that school, thank you so much for letting us serve you, and the memories are still fresh, and I, I think about them every day, literally. I think about you every day, all you kids at Hosanna, all you kids in 
triad, triad and all the other folks that, that we met. But one of the things that I talked about was, was our representative. Everybody has a personal representative. It's that person that we trot out into the public space. It is a carefully edited version of, of who we want people to think that we are. We put the makeup on that person. We put the right clothes on that person. We give that person the best possible personality that we can muster up. And we keep our more embarrassing things. We keep our more secret things secret. And our representative is not who we really are. Our real self is, is back, in the, back among the trees in the woods, like, like Adam and Eve as they were hiding from the Lord, covering themselves in fig leaves because they were ashamed of who they really were. And because of this shame that we have, we carefully sculpt out, edit this representative of ourselves, and we trot that person out into the public space, hoping that people will accept that individual, because we are not sure if they will accept us, me, the real thing. Well, here's the problem. You can do that in cyberspace. You can do that in a cyber community. You can even do that in dating. The rule of thumb for dating is about a year. I think it's wise to date for at least a year. A year gives you for most of us, it gives us time to get into a good fight. It gives us time to, for the other person to figure out who we really are. Is well, more than what they previously had known. The longer you date, the more your reality is going to be exposed because you can't keep that representative pumped up all the time. You can't keep that representative inflated and pushed out into the public space. The longer you date, they'll begin to see more of who you are. And so our problem is, is that we don't want people to know who we are. And then when they get to know, when we get closer together, closer to each other over a long period of time, we begin to see the reality of ourselves. And that is the title of the podcast, Why Close Relationships Become Hard Relationships. And if you do not respond to sin biblically, you will fall for the temptation of of creating pockets of silence in your relationships. Sin is the thing that we're talking about here. Sin is the thing that divides. Think about it. A boy and a girl come together. Oh, they just can't stay away from each other. They're crazy about each other. They're, they finish each other's sentences, and they do all these things that probably all of us who have done, who have been married, who are married. But then as they press into each other, they begin to learn more and the more that they learn are the disappointing things, the things that were previously hidden. What are we talking about? Our sinfulness. We're talking about our mutual fallenness. We see negative. We see sin. We see things that we don't like. We say things that we shouldn't say. We're harsh. We are unkind. We, we make all kinds of mistakes. And what, what I'm talking about here is that we see the sinful side of ourselves. That's the other foot. That's the representative that, or, or that's what you don't see in that representative. And then after a while, as you, you get closer and closer together, and then you start disliking each other, and now you're no longer pressing into each other, but rather than, than moving toward each other, you become silos. You become two individual silos that are no longer 
coming together, but now you're coexisting because you don't like what you have seen. You don't like some of the things about that other individual. Well, what we're talking about is sin. And then what happens is you, you're not sharing like you used to share. You don't communicate like you used to communicate. And you begin to develop pockets of silence, things that you, things that you may say to other people, but you withhold some information from the individuals who could be closer to you. But because of sin, because of hurt, because of disappointment, because of what you now know about that individual, you pull away, you back off. Because of the sin that you encounter in the relationship, you start you're at least tempted to start distancing yourself from those people, and that's where you become silos in the relationship. You're not coming together, and it could be that you began to grow apart. In fact, many spouses will share more information about themselves with their friends than they do with their spouses. This is one of the dangers of cyber relationships. This is one of the things that I do see in our community, whether it's our staff, our mastermind students, or the community that comes to this ministry, don't think, I don't want you to think that I believe that what we have is the perfect ministry. We don't. We have a cyber ministry, and there are landmines in this ministry. It would be far better. That's why we make such a, such a pitch and have such a high view of the local church and of the family. The family is the primary relationship, and it's the families that make up the local churches. I don't want our ministry to be the center of it all. I don't want our ministry to be the end of it all. No, you may need our ministry to help you get to a robust biblical family and robust biblical churches. That's what we want to do. We want to supplement. We want to come alongside of. It's what para means. Paragraph, alongside the writing. Parachurch, alongside the church. Because I know that these cyber relationships, at their best, there are a lot of elements of artificiality in them, and they can be dangerous. One of the dangers, it's probably the biggest danger of all, is that you may find someone else to build a relationship with because of the perceived openness and honesty that you have with them. Now, if that goes far enough, you'll commit adultery. The irony, the sad irony is, is that you, you will break up divorce the one you have, find another only five to ten years later, here you are in the same place again because the person that you saw on the other side of the fence where the grass looked to be greener is a fallen individual. Another liability, adultery obviously is the worst, but if you begin to, if you build these artificial relationships or these distant relationships, you can, you can grow in your disdain for the relationships that are within your own marriage or within your own family. You perceive the, and I put in quotation marks, the wonderfulness of this new relationship that I have, the wonderfulness of rickthomas.net, 
the wonderfulness of this person that I'm interacting with on Facebook. It is deception, my friend. It is deception. I ain't that wonderful, and neither are you. You could fall for that cyber trap where enjoying those relationships are more important to you than those that you live with. Danger, danger. You don't want to succumb to that temptation. Relationships should be transparent. The relationship that you began with your spouse at dating should never stop in growing in transparency. One flesh living happens when you are married. When the preacher says husband and wife, however those words are stated. When you are married, that's when one flesh, you are one flesh in the eyes of God. But functionally, practically, one flesh living is a 50-year plan, a 60, 70-year plan if you could be married that long. It will take the rest of your life to functionally and practically live out in one fleshness. Because when you meet someone, you don't tell them everything there is to know about you. And the day you get married and you come back from your honeymoon, it would be unwise for you to have a data dump about everything you ever thought, everything you've ever done in your life. You grow in one fleshness practically. This is what happens with children. When they're young, they can play together and interact with each other. But as they grow older, your children, they begin to learn more about each other. They begin to develop sin categories. They begin to have preferences now that become stronger and stronger, and they become irritated with each other. It happens all the time. And if this is happening within your children, you want to teach them how to respond to each other biblically, because guess what? Those children will probably grow up and marry another sinner, just like their sibling. And if they can't get along with their siblings, they will have a hard time getting along with their marriage partner. And so whether it's a friend, a person you meet at church, a workmate, a husband or a wife, parents and children or siblings, you'll begin to learn about each other the closer you get. And then you'll begin to bury your secrets and you'll stop communication if you do not have an active plan to remove the things, the obstacles that hinder you from pressing into each other as you continue learning and growing and enjoying and benefiting from each other. Now, the question could be, should I reveal everything to my spouse Should I share all my more buried secrets and struggles with my spouse? Here's your answer. Yes, no, maybe. It depends on the maturity of your spouse. You see, active reciprocal relationships are, well, there's a responsibility on both people. There's a responsibility on both individuals, not just the one who's communicating and sharing his life with another person, but the other individual must be mature enough to handle your truth. Jesus withheld information from many people, as you read throughout the Gospels. The Pharisees, he would say squat to, 
Some of his other friends, he withheld certain information from them. Even his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, he withheld information right up to the very end. He told us that there were many things that he would like to tell us, but we're not able to handle them. Peter had a hard time handling Jesus' truth in Mark 8, where Jesus revealed that he was going to die on a cross. And so you ask, should I reveal everything to my spouse? Should I reveal everything to my friend? Yes, no, maybe. This is a wisdom issue is what I'm talking about here. If you blurt out every evil thought that you ever thought, all the lust that's gone through your mind, that, that is foolish. And that's really not the question that you should be asking. The question is not, should I reveal everything to my spouse? The question is, here's a better question, are you willing to be honest and transparent with those who are closest to you? That's a better question. You should have at least one person in your life that you can build with transparently. And I'm talking about a real person, flesh and blood, not in cyberspace. So should you reveal everything? That's a wisdom issue, and you want to be cautious there. But what I am more interested in is are you willing to be honest? Are you willing to be transparent? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to build a risky relationship with another individual? You need that community. Now, in order to do that, I want to finish this podcast by giving you a few points. And I have some resources in here that if you want to push this a little farther, if you want to do that, I've got the resources here for you that will help you. But here's one of the most ironic things that I, I interact with, with Christians on a regular basis, is that Christians don't have a sin plan. They don't have a way. What I mean is they don't have a way. They don't have a plan. They don't have a process. They don't have a method of getting rid of the sin. If sin divides, which it does, it's because of sin. It's because of what you discover about another person that you're building a relationship with. What you discover is their sinfulness in whatever shape it may take. And these two people do not have a sin plan. They don't have a method for getting rid of that sin, which is really ironic and sad. You see, the Christian life is repentance and ongoing repenting. Repentance, salvation. The Christian life is repentance. We repent. We are born from above. God makes us alive. We are saved. But it's ongoing repenting, sanctification, progressive sanctification, because we're not perfected when God saves us. We get in the house. We get off the porch, but we are not there's so much to discover with God. There's so much about us that needs to be transformed. And the irony here is that Christians don't have a sin plan. They don't understand and they don't practice the doctrine of repentance. We are the only people in the world that can change. God grants repentance, 2 Timothy 2, 24, 25. God changes us and he will change us. He wants to change us if we confess our sins, 1 John. He will forgive us. But many Christians, maybe most, don't have, they don't know how to repent. Learning and practicing the doctrine of repentance is one of the most important things that you will ever do as a follower of Christ. Now, I have an article linked in these show notes called The Doctrine of Repentance. I want you to read it. There's a podcast there. There's a poster there. I want you to learn how to repent. If you 
Take your friend, your husband, your wife, your child, your parent, your church friend, whoever that is. You two get together and learn how to remove the thing that divides you. We're talking about sin. Learn the doctrine of repentance. It will revolutionize your life. In fact, my friend asked me, the couple that I met with this morning, they said, I want you to come to our church and I want you to teach this in a month. And God willing, I will do that. I will walk them through the doctrine of repentance. In Oregon, I went through this step by step, spent three hours teaching this to them because I want them to get it. They responded favorably. They responded with enthusiasm because they want to remove the thing. The thing that's between us is sin. And so you can read this article here. You can listen to the podcast. You can look at the poster. And then I have my free book on communication, Koinonia. I want you to download it. It's a free download. Get it. Get this book. Get this doctrine of repentance process. Learn how to remove the thing that is between you so that you can build relationally, biblically, deeply with another individual. Episode 129 is this episode. It's titled, Why Close Relationships Become Hard Relationships. The reason they become hard is because of sin. Sin divides. Therefore, what we need is a way of removing that which is between us. That's called the doctrine of repentance or the doctrine of change. If you want to talk more about this, please go to rickthomas.net and ask your questions. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.